1: I wish I didn't have a story to tell. You know what I mean? I wish I didn't have anything to say about it. That's the sad part. Is we shouldn't have to say anything about it. It shouldn't even be there for us to have to say.
2: You probably thought we were done with season two. So did we. But not long after our final episode, we received a tip. A tip from someone who felt the need to share a secret about the NRA. A secret about how Wayne LaPierre has stayed in power for so long. One which has never been made public.
1: It's heartbreaking to me because I honestly had all the faith in the world in Wayne. I love Wayne dearly as a person. I think what he's doing is wrong like when you have a kid, you love your kid, but what they're doing is wrong. And you need to say something. You need to say, what you're doing is wrong.
2: Welcome back to Gangster Capitalism, Season 2, The NRA. Throughout this season, as we conducted research and spoke to insiders, we learned a lot about how Wayne LaPierre has perpetuated his role as executive vice president. He's held on to the title for almost 30 years, despite multiple attempts to force his resignation.
3: The truth is that
2: NRA must get its financial house in order. Neil Knox failed. I'm a United States Marine. I'm here to deliver 10 million members before the 2020 elections. Oliver North failed. It's not enough to be a spectator to watch and commentate from the sidelines. The ex-board members, who've spoken out against LaPierre, have so far failed. He was trying to raise the alarm about this vendor and the power that they were accumulating around themselves. The 96 audit report detailing the NRA's financial crisis under Wayne's leadership went nowhere. For years, Wayne LaPierre has taken NRA members' money to live the life of a king. The leaks about Wayne's self-enrichment and lavish spending have been known publicly for over a year.
3: The cost
0: that we bore was probably about $100 million hit in lost revenue.
2: The secretly recorded audio of Wayne admitting that the NRA has spent $100 million on various lawsuits. Inevitably, reducing its impact on the 2020 election has prompted backlash, but so far, nothing has changed. Wayne is still standing. The question is how. Our founding fathers understood that the guys with the guns make the rules. We know that Ackerman McQueen created an image, an alter ego for LaPierre that NRA supporters could rally behind. We know that at least 18 of the 76-person board of directors, the body which has continuously elected LaPierre, have received money directly from the NRA. As tax expert Jim Fishman put it, Will they be influenced about killing the golden goose? We know that Wayne enjoys the political support of powerful NRA figures, such as Marion Hammer, who do their best to stomp out dissent the second it appears.
3: I am opposed to this
2: resolution. But is that all it takes? Have those advantages been the secret to Wayne's longevity? If there were other reasons, they weren't clear. Until... Now.
1: Okay, well, I'm Desiree Payne. I'm actually the former uh, Women's State Coordinator for the Members' Council of California. Married into the NRA, I guess you could say. My spouse is H. Paul Payne.
2: When Desiree married H. Paul Payne, who goes by Paul Payne, She was brought into the Members' Council of California, and at first, she was all in. If you're not an NRA member, or even if you are, there's a good chance you've never heard of the Members' Council of California. There's no reason you would have. The organization presents itself as a typical grassroots group advocating for the Second Amendment on a local level. Groups that fit that description can be found all over the country. In fact, the name gives off the impression that there might be a branch in every state. But that's not the case.
1: The only members' councils are in California. They are not in any other state. A members' council is dubbed California's original grassroots lobby group. And it's a group that meets weekly. They discuss laws and regulations in California. They're supposed to be told which politicians are good and bad and who to vote for. Back in the day, they would do activist things. They would get involved in parades. They do have booths at the gun shows, and they recruit members for the NRA.
2: But, according to Desiree, the members' council exists for a very different reason. And to understand the real reason, you have to go back to 1997.
3: The truth is that our EVP has spent millions of dollars at variance with board policies, without a contract, and the auditors have recognized that fact.
2: To refresh your memory, that was the year that Neil Knox called for Wayne LaPierre to step down due to a damning audit report Detailing the NRA's budget crisis, along with Knox's strong sense that Wayne had allowed Ackerman McQueen to become too involved and overly compensated. This is when Wayne and ACMAC brought in Charlton Heston to steal the show from Knox. Rise from your chairs,
3: take your feet,
2: and show me, show the world, stand with me. Desiree's husband, Paul, who she refers to as Mr. Payne, was at that annual members' meeting.
1: When Neil Knox had the coup, alleged coup, at the NRA annual meeting of members, and the floor vote was taken to basically block him from getting to be the president of the NRA, they put Charlton Heston in instead. Mr. Payne rallied the volunteers at that convention to get that vote passed basically excluding mr neil knox from going further in the executive part of the nra from that moment on wayne looked at him as invaluable wayne found a place for paul with the nra and gave him these groups of volunteers in california they became the NRA Members' Councils of California. And over the last 25 years, every year, Paul is paid a decent salary, right now currently 80 grand, three grand in expenses a month, a lease of his choice, and a a $60,000-a-year assistant, and retirement and benefits.
2: $80,000 plus perks, benefits, retirement, and a salaried assistant sounds like a lot for a state-level organizer. But Paul Payne's job entails a lot more than that. Before we get into what that is, I should remind you of how NRA elections work. The executive vice president, a position that Wayne LaPierre has held for almost 30 years, is elected by the board of directors. All that is needed is a simple majority and only 25 of the 76 board members need to be present to form a quorum. In other words, Wayne could be reelected with the support of just 13 of the 76 board members. As for the board of directors, they are elected by a mail-in ballot.
1: Now, to those that don't know it, if you're an NRA Life member or a five-year annual member, in a row, so you have to be a a five-year-in-a-row annual member, you get mailed a ballot in the mail where you can elect your board members.
2: Theoretically, this is a fair, democratic system. But in practice, at least when it comes to the Members' Council of California, there is something happening behind the scenes.
1: What happens is Millie Hallow, Joel Friedman, they get a list from Wayne... And Wayne's loyal board members. Of who on that list is loyal to Wayne?
2: Joel Friedman is an ex-president of the NRA Members Council. Millie Hallow, as you probably remember, is Wayne's longtime assistant.
1: They tell Paul Payne. Paul tells the members council's members and the business owners that are involved with those groups, and they are told to vote for those specifics board members. They may not vote for the maximum amount of board members. They may vote for one or two as to not dilute the pool. For example, one year, probably three years ago, Joel Friedman was running and everyone was told just to vote for Joel. Don't vote for anybody else, just Joel. This way they can boost the numbers when it comes to the vote.
2: It worked. Joel Friedman was elected to the Board of Directors in 2018 at the annual members' meeting in Dallas. And he has proven himself a vocal Wayne LaPierre loyalist. In July of last year, following the disastrous 2019 convention, Friedman wrote an opinion piece for Ammoland.com, defending LaPierre, saying, quote, Some claim his time has passed. I disagree. Wayne is still guiding the NRA faithfully, strategically, and correctly through the most difficult time in its 150-year history.
4: calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity?
5: Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. I'm Emma.
4: I'm Julie. And I'm Isabel. Together, we run Comments by Celebs on Instagram and host the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether
5: it's creating hypothetical scenarios, dissecting the latest trends, or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered.
4: We start the week with a full-blown pop culture breakdown, analyzing all of the biggest headlines. Next, we discuss all things Kardashians. Recapping current episodes or taking a trip down memory lane to relive some of their iconic moments from the past.
5: And for our final episode of the week, we serve you a full Bravo breakdown. From recaps of Housewives,
4: Vanderpump Rules, Summer House and more, if it's going on in the Bravo world, we've got it covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you
2: get your podcasts. You might be wondering, how does one organizer in California of all states tip the scales when it comes to electing the NRA Board of Directors.
1: Well, if you go to the annual meeting of members, that's where they tally the votes that are received by mail. And it's amazing with all of the members of the NRA how few actually vote. They're looking at swaying the vote by a couple thousand votes, maybe. So say you have gun owners of California, and they have a huge influence online on social media where they might have several thousand followers if you tell their group just their base group i want you to vote for this board member You're loyal to wayne we don't keep wayne in power the nra is gone you have no second amendment right have you voted this is who you need to vote for this is coming from the top this is who's loyal to wayne we need your vote, or we're going to lose to whoever is going against the candidate that Wayne wants to keep him in power. That's what they're told.
2: According to Desiree, Paul Payne's campaign to elect board members through the mail-in ballot is effective in part because the participation levels for these elections are surprisingly low. But the strategy is not 100% effective. Sometimes one of Wayne's candidates does not win. And that's where the second part of Paul Payne's job begins.
1: Now, one of those people that's on the paper ballot, if they do not get elected, gets to run for the one-year position at the annual meeting of members. And that's where Paul comes in. This is his main purpose in life. He is told which member is loyal to Wayne, and he takes volunteers, up to a dozen or so volunteers every year, wherever that location might be, Indianapolis, Dallas, Louisville, and he takes these members. Now, the NRA cuts a big fat check for thirty-five to $45,000 to Mr. Payne to pay for the room and board of these volunteers. While the volunteers are there, They're handed flyers. They're told exactly what to say, what to do. And Mr. Payne and his assistant, they coordinate these volunteers.
2: The NRA election rules are a little strange, so I just want to repeat the process. If a board of directors candidate on the mail in ballot does not receive enough votes to be elected, he or she is given a chance to run for a one year term at the members meeting. According to Desiree, Paul's job is to round up a group of volunteers and take them on an all-expenses-paid trip to the convention, where they are instructed to campaign for the one-year board members who are loyal to LaPierre. Desiree often refers to this as electioneering. So it's it's
1: kind of a grueling time when you electioneer. And being Paul's wife, I was always in heels and dresses. I mean, we have men that their feet are bleeding by the time the weekend is done. We get there Thursday, we have flyers printed, and we are handing out flyers. Every single person that comes in the door, we want to stop them, give them the flyer, tell them why they should vote for our candidate. You're doing this for 85,000 people that are coming through one choke point, coming into the NRA annual meetings, and... Then at the end of that, the vote's held on Saturday, but they'll stand there for all day Friday. So from when the convention opens in the morning until the convention closes the voting, these volunteers are there all day. They don't go to the bathroom. They don't eat lunch. If they have to go to the bathroom, they're making sure they don't lose their spot on the floor where they've been assigned. But these are people that are dedicated to their cause because they believe that they are doing the right thing for the Second Amendment.
2: These volunteers work tirelessly to campaign or electioneer for the Wayne LaPierre loyal candidates who Paul Payne has been instructed to support. The job does not come without its perks. The only catch for the volunteers is that those perks and their whole reason for being there, must be kept secret.
1: You have to be completely loyal to Lane. You can't question what they're doing. You have to be secretive. You can't tell people what you're doing, who you work for. So when you're there, if anyone asks you who you're working for, you volunteered on your own. You just showed up and you're volunteering. For this, they get the trip paid for. They get their rooms paid for. They get free tickets. So the NRA comps them tickets to the concert. They're usually Charlie Daniels or something like that on Saturday night. And they also can get free tickets to the leadership forum, where the president has gone the last several years. They get free tickets to those events. And then at the end of the electioneering... They get a meal usually at Morton's or somewhere very nice. Last time I went, it was in a wine cellar. But it's a private dinner with Wayne, Millie, and Joel. They get to have one-on-one time with Wayne. Wayne tells them how awesome they are, and the dinners anywhere from three thousand to forty-five hundred dollars. And then they get to have pictures with Wayne. They get to come back and brag to their friends that they got to meet Wayne, and it's a prestigious thing in these groups. But it's very secretive. They're not supposed to tell people that Paul's running it. They're not supposed to tell people that they had their way paid. They're supposed to tell people they just showed up magically and decided to help electioneer.
3: My name is Michael Schwartz. I live in San Diego in California. I'm a Second Amendment advocate for a living. That's what I do now. In 2007, I was in the desert on public land uh, doing some target practice with some friends, my wife, and We were having a good time, and a law enforcement, federal law enforcement, came up and basically harassed me for a shotgun that was totally legal. But that incident made me want to get involved in Second Amendment activism. So in January of 2008, did a search on the internet and found the NRA Members Council meetings and decided, okay, I'm going to go check it out.
2: At this point in time, Michael Schwartz was new to the world of Second Amendment advocacy. Prior to getting involved with the NRA, he worked in banking and financial services. But Michael was a passionate and motivated volunteer. And shortly after joining the Members' Council, he was elected Vice President of the San Diego branch.
3: And I put my heart and soul into it. I wanted to increase participation in the NRA members' council. I wanted us to get involved in politics. So I did everything I could think of, reached out to new candidates, tried to get new projects going, did everything I could, put a ton of volunteer time into it. At one point, they said, all right, well, you need to meet Paul Payne. He's the NRA employee who oversees the members' councils. So he and I met in person and everything seemed to be pretty solid. It all looked really, really legitimate and organized and effective, but the more I tried to do, the more Paul Payne said that I couldn't do it. So things started getting weird, and I started getting frustrated with the lack of activities, you know, and losing trust. Everything I brought to him, no, 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 can't do that, can't do that.
2: According to Michael, Paul Payne was resistant to virtually all of his new grassroots ideas. Communicating with local candidates who supported the Second Amendment, providing speakers to universities and representatives to radio shows. Paul Payne was not on board.
3: He said, don't do it. Don't talk to them. I don't remember his exact words, but it was very unflattering towards the grassroots division of NRA. And I just thought, this is strange. Like, what, what exactly is the problem?
2: As Desiree said earlier in this episode, the Members Council of California dubs itself the, quote, original grassroots lobby. So, Michael had trouble understanding why his volunteer initiative to build grassroots support was being stifled. Then, he received a message from Paul Payne.
3: He reached out to me and said, hey, we need help at the NRA's annual meeting. It was in Pittsburgh. And he said, you've been working so hard. We'll pay for you to go out. We'll pay for all your expenses, your hotel, your airfare, your food. And we just need some folks to help run the convention. He kind of presented it as a reward for hard work. And I said, yeah, that sounds awesome. There were about a dozen of us volunteers from across California. And when we got out there, I was under the impression we were there to, like, you know, usher people into the right door or stuff envelopes or pass out flyers. You know what I mean? Just make a convention work. But Paul Payne tells us that our job was to get a person elected onto the NRA board. And the guy was Joel Friedman. So our job was basically to go around the convention center, stop people that were headed to vote, and tell them who to vote for. Vote for this guy. He protects the Second Amendment. Uh, He's fantastic. Vote for him. But the attitude from Paul Payne was very strange. He was treating it like it was some kind of covert military op, which was beyond ridiculous. (laughs) And... He had us staying at a hotel that was away from the convention center. We were told not to talk to any NRA employees or any NRA board members. We were told not to tell anybody why we were there. And a couple of the board members came up and spoke to us and said, Hey, thanks for doing this for Joel. We really want to make sure he stays on the board. And Paul Payne would be sure to stay away from us. He would be within eye distance. You know, he could see us, but he would stay away from us while we were doing the politicking. And if a board member came up and spoke to us, he'd come over and say, well, what do you say? What did you tell him? I enjoyed being at the show and everything. And we got to meet with a lot of cool people. We got to meet with Wayne LaPierre. We got to meet with Ted Nugent. I got to meet with Oliver North. It was a blast. It was really very interesting. But I kind of started thinking, well, wait, where's the funding coming? Who, who's funding this? Paul Payne bought the airplane ticket for me, and he drove us to a hotel that he paid for. We each got our own room, and he paid for everything. So it didn't seem entirely ethical for the NRA to fund volunteers to come help get a board member elected at the direction of an NRA employee. Uh, It just didn't seem like the right thing to do.
2: But it worked. At the convention, it was announced that Joel Friedman had been elected as the 76th board member. Once again, Paul Payne had delivered for his employer. It's crystal
3: clear that Paul Payne is an employee of the NRA. In fact, he explained to us that he worked directly for Wayne LaPierre. That was crystal clear and totally unambiguous. So that seems like a conflict.
2: Paul Payne, whose salary benefits and perks are paid for by NRA membership money, is given instructions directly from Wayne LaPierre's office to support the people who are most likely to protect and perpetuate Wayne LaPierre's job. His title is the liaison to the executive vice president, and it's a job he has had for over two decades.
1: There was not a liaison to the executive vice president before Paul King, and there won't be one after he's gone.
2: This is Desiree again.
1: He is looked at as the one who saves Wayne's job every year at the convention. So not only do they pay him $80,000 plus $3,000 in expenses every month, plus, you know, your $600 lease every month for a vehicle, retirement and benefits and an assistant that gets the same thing minus the car lease, not only is that money put in every year just to have somebody manipulating groups of volunteers so that they can go electioneer and keep his boss in power. I mean, not only that, then on top of that, NRA money is given to cut that thirty-five dollars to $45,000 check to pay for flights for these volunteers, to pay for their room and board, And then Mr. Payne goes shopping, and he claims that they're presents for the members' council. I personally have never seen those items go back to the members' council. He keeps those for himself. But he's expensing them and saying they're going back to the members' council. They're not. Now, because Mr. Payne and his assistant get paid to the executive's office, it's a conflict of interest. He's basically running volunteers to elect his boss. Mr. Ping's whole purpose and his paycheck funded by our membership, the 5 million members, the whole purpose of it for the last 20-some years is to keep reign in power. So this is the part that frustrates me as an activist. I've gone around telling people during the NRA, the NRA is fighting for you, I love Wayne. I love Joel. I went to his wedding, and I do love Millie. My heart breaks for our members because I see them fighting. I see them wanting to fight, and yet our money is going to keep people in power just for the sake of them staying in power. And anybody that tries to buck the system is demonized, considered evil, They're told that they want to destroy Wayne and therefore destroy the NRA. That's the line that these volunteers in California are being told and directly from Mr. Payne and his assistant. Now, these volunteer groups in California, they have a heart for activism. They love their Second Amendment, which is what I love, which is why I got involved with it. I'm a benefactor member. I'm an NRA instructor. I've recruited for the NRA over and over and over again, Basically, these members' councils, they only exist so that Paul can have a pool of volunteers that can go get his boss elected every year. And it's really under the guise of a grassroots group. And it's just really sad to me because we're still out on the streets fighting. We're the ones meeting with politicians. We're the grassroots, the people I deal with every day. We're grassroots. And our money is hard-earned. And when we put our faith in somebody like the NRA, we expect them to have the same heart we do for the cause.
2: Michael had the same expectations when he joined the Members' Council. And regardless of how you feel about the NRA's cause, Desiree and Michael intended to be activists for the Second Amendment, not operatives working on behalf of Wayne LaPierre.
3: Joel Friedman was the right candidate because he was supportive of Wayne LaPierre and supportive of Paul Payne and supportive of the members' councils and would help them get done what they needed to get done to continue the members' councils and continue to protect and support Wayne LaPierre, which at the time, I thought, yeah, let's protect Wayne LaPierre, NRA. But looking back at it and looking at it through maybe a little bit different lens, I can see that You know, what we should have been doing is protecting the Second Amendment, not protecting employees or protecting specific men and positions in the NRA. We should have been protecting the Second Amendment. And way too many of our activities had to do with making sure that Paul Payne and Wayne LaPierre still had a job. That's why I stopped doing it. Once I really put all the pieces together, I I didn't want to be a part of that.
2: Michael is no longer involved with the NRA Members' Council of California. He is still an active Second Amendment advocate. And as for Desiree, she has separated from Paul Payne.
1: It was a bone of contention when I was married to Paul because I would tell him, I don't think this is right. I don't think that you should sell these members that they're doing something for the cause when all you're doing is using them to electioneer every year. Because I went out and I spoke also on behalf of what the NRA stood for and tried to convince people that Wayne was the right person for the job. But the more I saw it, the more I couldn't deny it. And it's about corruption. I have a conscience. I can't go out and just sell something I don't believe in. I have nothing to gain personally from saying something about it, except for, as an activist, exposing the corruption that is part of my NRA. It's my NRA. It's my next door neighbor's NRA. It's your NRA. It's everybody's NRA that pays their dues and is an NRA member. The NRA isn't Paul Payne or Millie or any board member or Mr. LaPierre. He's supposed to be our spokesperson. He's supposed to represent all of us, but it belongs to us. This belongs to you. You need to do something about it because your money is not going to the right place. Your money is not getting you a board member that's representing you. Your activism right now is going to pay for somebody who's rigging the election to keep Wayne in power.
2: you have any tips you'd like to share, please reach out to us at tips at gangstercapitalism.com or you can leave a voicemail at 347-674-6980. For more information, go to gangstercapitalism.com and follow us on Instagram at gangstercapitalism or on Twitter at gangstercapital. This has been a creation and presentation of C-13 Originals, a division of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Chris Corcoran, Zach Levitt, and me, Andrew Jenks. Written and directed by Zach Levitt and me. Produced by Lloyd Lockridge and Perry Crowell. Edited by Perry Crowell. Mixing and mastering by Bill Schultz. Research and production support by Ian Mont. Production management by Terence Malingone. Studio coordination by Sean Cherry. Artwork and design by Kirk Courtney. And marketing and PR by Josephina Francis and Hilary Schuff. Our original score is by Joel Goodman. And our theme song, Your Sins Will Find You Out, is by Eli Paperboy Reed. Thank you so much for joining us.